0: Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. I've had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing quite a few accomplished female directors, nearly all of them from the United States. Today, we go international. You're about to meet Switzerland's Barbara Miller. Some background. Barbara, who studied cinema, philosophy, and psychology, actually received a law degree from the University of Zurich in 1998. A year later, she spent two years as assistant director-editor on the Oscar-nominated documentary War Photographer. She's worked as a freelance director for Swiss National Television and has directed more than 20 docs on topics ranging from the anti-globalization movement, domestic and youth violence, and now... Female Pleasure, which is Barbara's second feature length documentary. It follows five women from different cultures as they struggle for justice and equality when it comes to taking charge of their own bodies. Barbara, a member of the Swiss Film Academy and the European Film Academy, is also president of the Swiss Filmmakers Association. I'm doing double duty today because joining Barbara is Layla Hussein, one of the women featured in Female Pleasure. A Somali-born British psychotherapist and social activist, Layla grew up in a devout Muslim family. When she was just seven years old, Layla was generally mutilated in the name of Islam, despite the fact that the practice is not mentioned in the Quran. Since giving birth to her own daughter, Layla, the founder of the Dahlia Project, the only counseling service for FGM women in Europe, made it her mission to fight against female genital mutilation, as well as the sexual determination of Muslim women, not only in fundamentalist countries, but throughout Europe as well. I couldn't be more honored to welcome Barbara and Layla. So, ladies, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for having us.
0: Layla, I'm going to start
1: with Barbara. Perfect. Tell me about your relationship with film. How did that come about? I mean, I studied law because I wanted to fight for justice. But then working three months as a lawyer, I realized that's not really the way I want to fight for justice. And then I remembered that I studied cinema and I thought <laughs> this could really be the way how to reach people and how to fight in a bigger context for
0: justice. Well, growing up in a country like Switzerland, what were you exposed to
1: that in terms of injustice that initially resonated with you? I mean, my mother and my father were both, let's say, feminists. They're Mm -hmm. really fighting for equality. And um, I think... Even today, if you look at Switzerland, you think, oh, yeah, everything is fine. Yeah. But if you look at our societies, there's still so much to do. I mean, we earn 20% less because we're women. We have a female body, which is still ongoing, And the Swiss society, in a way, yeah, we have a lot of freedom in some points, but there are so many ways where women are still discriminated. And for me, it was really the question, where does it come from? And that's why I also did hashtag female pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so what was your first
0: project? What was that like? As I mentioned, it was um, doing the documentary War Photographer. Talk to me a little bit about that. And did that really whet your appetite?
1: I mean war photographer was about James Nachtway, a really famous magnum uh, photographer in New York, and I did the assistant director and assistant editor and I really learned that it's so important to look on the things globally, to look at problems globally, where do we stand how do we treat if we um if we come across problems, how do we treat them? how do we talk about them and I learned to be persistent. <laughs> Uh, because it wasn't an easy project. And, um, yeah, I mean, from Christian Frey, which was the main director there, I learned how to do, in a way, documentaries, how to investigate, and how to tell stories, hopefully in a way that the audience love it. I mean, with hashtag female pleasure, we have now 250,000 spectators in Europe. (laughs) Not small potatoes, Barbara. (laughs) No, so, so, I mean, we're really happy that it's now coming to the U.S. Mm -hmm.
0: And so... That just so spoke to you, and you knew that this was the trajectory that you were going to embark on. I'm going to make films, and I'm going to—and these are my words now—I'm going to help change the world.
1: Yeah, I think deep down that's my motivation, and I really hope we can do it.
0: Well, it sounds like you're on the right path and that you are doing it. Layla. Hey. Hello. <laughs> so your story— was incredibly compelling in the movie, but so were the other four women, but, um, and it's really my honor to get to meet you uh, today, but I want to talk about your past also. Mm. Okay, so you were born in Somalia. Mm -hmm. Talk about your home life there, and how did you wind up in Europe, in Great Britain?
2: So, I was born in Somalia, but, but 10 days after I was born, I ended up in Saudi Arabia because my dad had a job there. Okay. So, I was literally just born in Somalia. I didn't grow up there in my early childhood. Okay. So, it was just a stopping off point. Your mother mom, had labor pains. My <laughs> mom just gave birth to me in Somalia, and my dad got a job. Uh, his background, he, uh, he was an electric engineer working for an Italian company. So, the original plan was we were going to move to Italy first, but obviously, he got a new project with the same company in Saudi Arabia. So within like 10 days, I was in the desert of Saudi Arabia. That is crazy. Okay, I had a bit of an interesting early childhood. So I grew (laughs) up between Somalia, Italy, and Saudi Arabia. Did you go back and forth? Or, or yeah, every couple of weeks we were traveling back and forth because of my
0: dad's job. So we, yeah. And how many siblings do you have?
2: I have two, so it And where
0: and are, are you two in two. the food chain? Oldest? Youngest? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Yeah, I'm okay. the oldest
2: and most spoiled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of back
2: and forth. Uh, my mom was uh, an economist who worked for the Somali government. So I came from a very privileged background. Uh, in Somalia, and really, the reason we ended up— moving, even though we used to come to Europe for holidays—but obviously, the Somali war happened in the early nineties. Hence, why we ended up in the UK. And my—and the story's always been, you know, my mother wanted to be in London so she could go back to Mali. She didn't think the war was going to last for that long. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, this was a stopping-off point. It was
2: literally supposed to be a temporary thing, and nearly twenty-eight years later, we're <laughs> still there. So, yeah. So that's how I ended up in the UK. Do you still have family in Somalia? Yeah, actually majority of my mum's side of the family haven't left. They're mm-hmm. still there. Do so you go back? I have. I'm fortunately because of my uh, you'll find out from my views and my profile, I'm not it's not safe for me to go back. You're Somalia. not welcome. I'm not welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm on Shabaab's hit list, actually. That's how unwelcome I am in Somalia because I'm my, my work hasn't just been around anti FGM, my work has been around women having sexual freedom. So in Somalia, people don't mind me not. You know, people don't mind me saying FGM is wrong. But the moment you say women deserve sexual freedoms, a whole different
0: conversation. Well, that's really interesting. That's, uh, so
2: that that put me in a very high risk
0: position. category. What was the path that took you to study what you did, psychotherapy and and, clear, yeah. and social activism? But as you kind of. Flitting around from place to place, how did that happen? Well, it
2: happened by. I, I always said I'm the accidental activist, and even I was an activist until like two years later. A journalist said said this, called story. you and that. It, but it really started with my daughter, as as you said in, in your introduction. It was really me giving birth to her, and and remember, I grew up in the west most of my life. Not one person has ever asked me if I've undergone this practice. Only after my daughter's born a nurse finally asks me about... She goes, so, Miss Hussain, what was your pregnancy like? I said, it was horrible. I hated it. Birth, I said, it was a nightmare. I didn't like it. Especially, I said, when I was being vaginally examined. I said, oh, blackout. And she looked at her notes and she said, oh, I understand you're from Somalia. Can I just check if you've experienced this? This is literally the first time I've been asked. No kidding. And I've been examined many, many times, but no one said, hey, actually, you look a little bit different than there. Like no one even said anything. She didn't even physically check me. She just asked the question, as you should, as a health professional. And, and my response was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had FGM done, but, you know, I didn't have the worst type, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, well, actually, she said, um, the reason you're blacking out is because your body still remembers the trauma. Holy shit. So every time, and I was actually cut by a medical profession, because we had a, the five-star version of FGM because my family could afford it. So any a medical profession came at me with an instrument between my legs, I would pass out. So that was what my body was remembering. So for the first time, I have this baby in my arm, and I'm realising, oh, my God, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. No one's ever explained it to me in that way. But what it did, it sparked an anger in me where I started asking questions. Why don't, I, why don't I even know about my body, how my genitalia even looks like? So this is the other problem. So our education system does, in school, I was only told I was going to get pregnant by some guy, and that's it. That was the only sex education. I got no one told me, And nothing at home. And, and, and the clutus organ is not even on the biology books, So I would even know I had this. But your mother never sat down with you. No, 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 no. We didn't even bring this up. No, no, no. I mean, you don't talk about when FGM actually. You have a great party when it happens. You have no. a party when it happens? Oh, yeah, there's a big party for you because it's a a big initiation and it's to say that you're finally going to be part of this society and especially if you come from a very elite family uh, groups what they do they invite all the women who have boys you know you could potentially be the future wife of these boys so now it's a it's guaranteed that you'll be a virgin till your day of marriage which by the way it's not true women don't stay virgins People still go and have sex.
0: You know, I'm going to make this about me for a second. I'd like to think that I'm, you know, an aware person and know what's going on in the world. I certainly was highly educated by your film, Barbara, which we will talk about in a minute. But this process still makes me want to throw up, wants to... And it should. And I I can't... I'm just so stunned by all the... (laughs) The carrying's on around it, and that your mother, who I'm not indicting, but did not sit you down and talk to you about this. No. And this is nuts. It's unbelievable.
2: But again, it's, it's that whole patriarchal system, again, that even put my mother in that
0: position. I understand. To do that to me. I'm not indicting her. No, 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 no,
2: no, no, no. I'm not saying she shouldn't be indicted. And, and me and my mother, years later, we went to therapy together. I mean, going back to your first question, why I ended up becoming a therapist? It was this health professional who I ended up volunteering with and working with and becoming an activist, my own trauma started to come to the surface. And I went for therapy myself, but what I realised was every therapist that I saw did not know what FGM was. I had to restart the conversation. I became an educator. Hence why Dahlia project was actually important for me to start. So the women didn't have to talk about what FGM was. They can just come and tell their story. But actually, it was also a space where me and my mother went to therapy together, and I had to face it because I did it did cause uh, a friction between us we were, one day we were very close and then you can see as I was involved in the campaign the schism you can see the friction between us coming in because I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier you the daughter? only daughter? no my sister we have a sister, but my sister has two sons. But I have a daughter and I couldn't understand how my mother could put me in that position. And but actually with therapy, we both came to the conclusion that she felt she had no choice but to do that fully. Yeah. Because in order for me to go to the best schools to be accepted, that is what I had to go through. But I felt she should have run away with me. Like I so I so we both had to come to the conclusion that was our own realities. Right. But what we do when when those negative thoughts come up, we have to focus on the fact that my daughter's not cut, her granddaughter's not cut. So we finally broke that cycle exactly. in the family. Exactly. And she's been a great supporter of my work. And I know sometimes it's hard for her because she recently expressed to me, she goes, Layla, every time you have these accolades around your work as a mother I'm reminded I caused this on you Yeah. so that is very difficult actually I've been doing this work for nearly 18 years now only last year she came to my first event
0: no kidding
2: because she couldn't she couldn't couldn't face it it. because she said I know I inflicted this on you so that's that also is a very hard situation to be in the reverberations are just mind-blowing I don't even use the term female genital mutilation anymore. It's a serious sexual assault against children. And that's what the world should see it as. And yeah. people should be outraged. Yeah. And you saying, you know, you want to vomit, we should be vomiting. I mean, really, if we have it, we should be having that kind of reaction to this because there's nothing worse when you're constantly being told, especially people in policy making, decision making, say, well, you know, we must be careful. This is a traditional cultural practice, da 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 so for me, I want that reaction from people because that really should be it. The idea
0: so outraged, that every
2: yeah. seconds a girl is being mutilated. Like how many girls are going to be cut by the time we're done with this interview? So it's, it's a reality that's happening right now and the world should be outraged. And the fact that we're in the U.S. is quite important because the U.S. has the highest number of women in the West who are at risk of FGM but also affected by FGM because of the population of migrants that you guys have in this country who, pr- who are from practicing communities are based in the U.S. So this film could not come a better time to the U.S. Well,
1: that's a great segue. Why did you make this movie, Barbara? I really wanted to find out where we stand in the 21st century when we're talking about female bodies, self-determined female sexuality. And I realized that if you look globally, most women still, if you talk about sexuality, it's much more not about pleasure. It's much more about pain, about obligation, about violence. And I was really wondering, where does it come from? How can it be today still we have this this situation? This disparity almost. Yeah. Um, well, that's even not a good word. but Yeah, but it's really incredible. And then I found in, let's say, the five holy books, all these (laughs) texts from our world religion saying that the female body is sinful, that we're causing all the bad things in the world, this demonization of female sexuality, and I really wanted to find out how is it still vivid in our society and i think it's so deep and i think it's so into our bloods our ingrained our, yeah ingrained in yeah. our education system it's almost part of our dna or their dna yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and i think also in our in the female dna mm-hmm. and that's why there are still so many things going on in this that women accept in sexuality, which should really, really be brought out there and should be changed. So I really wanted to find out how women, five five young women feel coming from this five world religion, world cultures, and tell their story. And what was really impressive for me to see is that it doesn't matter so much where you come from, which background you have, which religion, which culture. But the experience as women is so similar. This experience of not being worth, that your body is there's something wrong. You mm-hmm. have to improve mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. have to maybe operate it, getting nicer, getting more beautiful, getting better. Well, you're here to please. You're here. Well, to you're an please. object. That's, well, that, yeah. yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. here, of course. You're here to please. And mm-hmm. this thing, I think, also looking at our societies, it's so much there. If you look, at pornography. Of course. If you looked at what I really love when Leila says um in the movie um there's a chorus of fake orgasm going through the world. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so true because mm-hmm. in the end women still today don't dare to say what they want, what they like and often mm-hmm. they even don't know because they were told that they shouldn't touch their body, mm-hmm. that masturbation for women is absolutely a yes, taboo. Yeah, uh-huh. So I think For me, it was really, really, really important to do this film. And it was so beautiful to see that these five women, how they are really are open about this topic, talking about it, this taboo, and how they are fighting and how they manage to change with this really incredible positive energy and... Also, for example, Leila, how she managed to overcome what she went through, and today she's such a strong, outspoken woman. And
0: Well, they were clearly waiting for the opportunity that you presented to them.
1: How did you find the
0: five women? And why don't you just <laughs> do a little brief synopsis about each one of them?
1: For me, when I started looking for women, it was really important that they dare to speak about these topics, which are in most societies and cultures still taboo. Also in our Christian or Jewish societies, it's still not going there where talk about female sexuality openly and about female pleasure. And for me it was important that these were five women who already did a step in the public space. Because it was important that they're conscious of what it really means, you know, like the the harsh reaction that can come, the death threats, the losing your family. Um being blackmailed, being slut-shamed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and yep. this was really important. So I wanted five strong women. And um, I found them really talking about the project. Somebody told me, oh, have you heard about this trial going on in Japan? A young um, vagina manga artist um, being accused for obscenity because she's doing funny art. Um then I heard about Leila Hussein um, working against FGM, and it was really hard to find her because, oh, that was the story itself. You mean you were under the radar? You had to be under the no, radar?
2: No, it no. was uh, quick. So, if I tell you quickly how, so Barbara was trying to get hold of me for a whole year, uh-huh. apparently.
0: And are well, you not listed in the phone book, Leila? No, <laughs> whoa. Well, so, this is,
2: this is interesting where technology is also sexist against female sexuality. I mean, the idea of female sexuality, how dangerous it's become. I just came back from a trip from uh, Ethiopia, Addis. And in Ethiopia, the government, it's big on censorship. So one of my colleagues said, check your junk mail. And I never really check my junk mail because that's where I usually get my death threats. So I like to avoid my junk mail as much as possible. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I get the death threats on my junk mail. And then I see this long messages, Barbara Miller, Barbara Miller. And I thought she was some sort of a stalker or a troll you right, know, trying to get hold right. of me. But then I saw a couple of the words and I said, oh, and, and I never... I've had so many documentary makers send me their ideas, but somehow I just read this one. This one resonated with you Yeah, before. there was something that told me I need to read this, you know, script. And I read it and I said, oh my God. I said, Barbara, I'm so sorry. I mean, it's been like a year when she sent me this. And I said... I'm sure you must have made this film. I would love to see it. This sounds like a great... Because for me, as, a, as as an activist fighting against FGM, but for me, my biggest battle was not FGM. It was fighting the system behind FGM, which is patriarchy. And finally, there was a filmmaker who was going to create a platform to actually tell these stories. And I said, oh, missed it, but I would love to see this film. And she got back to me quickly and said, I'll meet with you. But what was really interesting, till now... Barbara cannot email me on my actual mailbox. She's actually been blocked from my mailbox. She always ends up in my junk mail because she's considered dangerous because Because? of her conversation on female sexuality.
1: Anything around female sexuality is blocked from my email. title, I wrote about um, I want to do a film about female sexuality. Yep. And that ended up like that's like the bad thing, like the Mm -hmm. fundamentalistic guys.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so 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 we're (laughs) patrolling this? The death threats and female pleasure end up in my junk mail now because they both considered as dangerous. So Barbara till now whenever she emails me she has to send me a WhatsApp message She goes lately check your email. And that's how I always get her. Email. So literally we're still dealing with it right All now. This time, ladies, Absolutely. Like said. the issue still exists right now. So it was interesting how we met it was because she just she could not get to me via email. That's crazy, Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's <laughs> that really, really crazy. Thanks for Ethiopia. If you was something Ethiopia I would know I checked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Well yeah, with with the other um, three women, it was easier. Um, Deborah Feldman, who's coming from the Orthodox community in Williamsburg, um, she wrote this amazing book. She wrote this book, Unorthodox, that went on the New York Times bestseller, best-seller list. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was really, for me, it was really so interesting to see, especially how she talked about um, being a woman, having a female body and living this separation in her body of being pure and impure just because of her periods. Right, right, right. And exactly the same ideas I found in Japan. The The universality of it, huh? Yeah, yeah. And in the Japanese Buddhism, there's exactly the same idea. I mean, this is why women still today can't be sushi cooks because they say the female body is impure and could damage the sushi. Oh, my God. So should be in trouble because of periods? Oh, God. <laughs> and, and the same idea we have also in, in the Catholicism. Till 50 years ago, women, after they gave birth, they couldn't go to the church for the, for the um, baptism of the child. Yeah. Because they were considered impure after giving birth. means a lot of things which really have to do with the nature of our bodies, with this possibility to give birth to another human being, is demonized. This was, wow. it's really but clear. it's encouraged to get you. You're supposed to have a lot of children. Yeah. You know, I mean. But that's all we are as women. Like, we just yeah, we're, make yes. babies. Yeah. We're yeah. Yeah, conduits. Made. That's it. Yeah. 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 Pleasure doesn't exist. You uh-huh. know. But the things that come across with it, they're bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So your two other women, mm. one from India and then Bavaria, were they kind of, again, under the radar a little bit for you in terms of finding them and putting them in your film?
1: I mean, Doris, uh, which is a former nun, Mm -hmm. she also wrote the book. Oh, I didn't remember that. It didn't make a lot of noise, let's say. Okay. Um, It's only now when she's part of this film, it really, Mm. things are changing a lot. I mean, the Catholic Church couldn't ignore her story and what is happening to a lot of nuns. 30% of the nuns worldwide are raped, (sighs) are sexually harassed. And it was only through our film that finally her story got out and a lot of people mm. joined. She got a lot of response and there was the bishop from Vienna who agreed because he heard about the film to meet her and mm. to talk to her. And it was the very first time after a long, long period she was yeah. fighting against this injustice that uh, high, someone of the high hierarchy told her, I believe you.
0: He validated her. Yeah, he
1: validated her. He said, I trust you. I'm really so sorry. And it was the same week, it was in February, that Pope Francis said for the very first time, we have a problem, it's a sexual <laughs> problem, not only with children, but with, with the nuns. nuns. Yeah. Yeah. Living yeah. all over the world. And um there's Vitika, she's um from India. Right. Um, she grew up in a society which is really mistreating women all over in every section of life and um, women being harassed in the streets. Um, I mean, you know about all the abortions, if there is a female fetus, uh, a girl fetus. And um, she came to a point where she said, I really have to, to break this taboo. I have to start talking about sexuality, which is not allowed in schools. I mean, there's no... No um, information about sexuality. The only thing that kids are seeing is pornography. And I mean, we know what they're learning from pornography. Yeah, right. It's so often um, combined with a lot of violence against the female body, with no clitoris, no kissing, no tenderness. And she said, we have to change it. And she started the first Hindu-English website talking about relationships, about respecting women, about sexuality, talking about the clitoris, the biology of the bodies. And uh, nowadays, there are millions of young people following this website, and they really start to, to learn, to, to see what sexuality and what relations are all about and how they could be different than they're learned in their societies. Do you two women acknowledge
0: how seminal your work is, how you are changing the world? I mean, I'm very
2: aware that we're taking a big risk. And I know that with my own experience. I mean, I get death threats all the time. I I had to move home three times. Are you uh, married?
0: No. Okay. I'm happily divorced. Okay. I was, I was <laughs> just wondering in terms of, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, support. In terms, no, okay. but,
2: but it's, it's, I think it's important for people to know, like, you know, a lot of these women who are activists – struggle you know I unfortunately I can't even get hired for jobs now because I'm your name dangerous. procedure you well, mean your I, reputation I, procedure con- yeah, because I I have you know I mean that's I pissed off few people a few powerful people so well I, that's and I, and I and when you go after patriarchy unfortunately I'm forever getting like messages saying well you know your CV is so great and you've done this great work, but unfortunately, because of your profile and some of your views... We you know, can't, you're we're going out on a limb. It's really, yeah. and, and, and actually, what a way to punish somebody by going after their finances, where you're this big profile person, but then financially, you're struggling to pay your rent. So for right. me, as much as people credit us for changing the world, there's another dark side to this, because we've taken a massive risk and somebody has to speak out. That's that, to me, that I'm not uh, uh, gonna, you know, that's not I'm, not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back out on that because somebody has to, and seeing my daughter who's now 17 and the young woman she's becoming gives me hope. I'm like, huh. okay, some, because I said, these are the girls that we need. I wish I was the 17 year old, you know, confident, you know, who knows what she wants, doesn't like, literally. So for me, I know. I made the right decision by doing that. But unfortunately, it does come with a big, massive risk. And I will say that for the rest of the other women uh, in the same situation, it's absolutely, extremely difficult. Especially now that we're involved in this film, it's a whole different uh, dynamic kind of risk that we put ourselves in. Because uh, actually, if you watch the film, you'll realize it's never actually about any of the holy books. It was really about how the books were translated by these misogynist men, <laughs> and who uh, oh, put their spin on things. Exactly, really and actually, bright. the film you see that is not attacking men either. We actually have amazing men in the film. I mean, Doris's husband, you know, Magumi's husband, you know, uh, Vitika's husband. Like, I, I I've never actually seen a documentary where you see. It was like the world coming together. We need to fight this together. I mean, that's really what the message was. But unfortunately. There's another dark side when you want to change the world. And and I know this is, personally for me, it's had uh, a very difficult impact. But I wouldn't change it
1: for the world. I'm glad I'm still doing doing it. What we have seen is Mm. the reaction of the audience. I mean, it's really overwhelming. Male and female? Male and female, really. And regardless of where it's shown? Everywhere. I mean, we have shown it in Europe. We have shown it in Asia. Mm. Mm. Hong Kong, India, Mexico. Mexico, Uh um, We have really also, for example, in Turkey, Mm
0: -hmm. and Mm -hmm.
1: the response is overwhelming. I mean, it's really like, for example, men—they say that for the really first time they understand what women today really Mm -hmm. go go through, what they really what they have to live, what it means to be a woman.
2: Yeah,
1: and that they feel inspired Uh and encouraged to help women to really. Stand up. You know, so many men, I think also, they don't want to be like this male chauvinist person, but they they Real want life. to have yeah. partners who are equal, mm-hmm. where they can share, where they can have a, a, a life where, where people are equal. And I think also a lot of these men who treat women really badly, they're in the end so lonely because huh. they're there and they have no one. They have no one which has the same value to them which mm. which they can discuss things and I think it's really great to see that men, a lot of men are changing and they... Mm. Actually they I, I remember one particular
2: man when we did our Swiss premiere and he was in the audience but I didn't see him that night but he sent me a long email afterwards saying he came in thinking he was a feminist and a man who supported women <laughs> and he goes by the end of that filming he realised in his company he needed to change to policy because he realised he was also a part of the problem, that actually there were, he realised when he, he looked at the company that women were being paid less, he just didn't pay attention to it because it's become so norm to pay women less or not give women, especially women who were with children, a certain support. So he wrote to me saying, I'm actually going to make sure, after now that I watch this film, I realise I'm also part of the problem. And for me, those are really some of the best outcomes from the film. It's... It's people actually going back to changing their own environments, because that's how you change happens in the first place. I broke the cycle in my family, not by telling people to break it, but it was I had to do it myself first with my own daughter. And, and my daughter wasn't just protected from FGM. She was protected from all forms of oppression against women and girls. That was the key to have a whole generation of women who don't feel uh, oppressed or silenced, even though the world's trying to,
0: but you can never silence my daughter now because she wasn't brought up in an environment where she's been silenced. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. I wonder if the more things change, the more they stay the same. I'm nervous about that because it's what I've seen and what I've absorbed.
1: I really know also doing this documentary, seeing that really all over the world, there are women and men trying to change things. there to speak up. There to break this silence which is still there if we talk about female bodies, female sexuality. For sure. I think things are really moving. And of course we have this dinosaurs. Someone said it's like the last move of the dinosaurs who try to gain power, who try to rechange everything. If you look at the abortion laws now that we have in the US. Oh, God! or yeah. may not have yeah, I mean it's incredible it's you incredible. know this yeah. this backlash that's happening awful, but I really I can only see it as these dinosaurs trying to survive, but we know what happened to the dinosaurs, so I really also doing this film, I have so much hope that things now and for all will change because it's a when you you also said when you met for the first time all the protagonists, and we watched the film before <laughs> there was um it it there was the world premiere, and um, you said. For her, for you, it's the first time, Leila, that you had this feeling of, wow, we are global. Yeah. And this feeling yep. of sisterhood and women from all Not cultures isolated. Yep. and all religions are fighting together. I think for me, that's, this is really, it really gives a feeling of hope. I mean, just to add to that point, for me, one
2: FGM, you know, violating women, it's a crime. So... Are we going to ever get, get rid of these crimes? Not necessarily. It's too ubiquitous in Africa, correct? I always say it's a global issue. Yeah. But for me, where the hope is, is not necessarily, necessarily getting rid of FGM or oppression. Is women coming out to speak out against it. So if someone violates you and you're silenced, that's the real crime. I always say, as a, as a therapist, I'm forever saying to people what 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 causes damage is not the sexual assault a woman has actually experienced it's the fact that society doesn't believe her and actually shames her it's much more damaging than the actual assault that happened that she allowed it that she elects, like, so she gets blamed. Yeah. So the, the way we react to the victim is yeah. what really causes our real damage. Mm-hmm. So for me. You were
0: asking for it in terms of a
2: rape. How many times have you yeah. heard
1: that? Mm-hmm. You know, look
0: at what
2: she's doing all, all over the
1: world. All, all over the world. So that's. Our modern society,
2: this happened all the time. I mean, I, I mean, yesterday I was saying to somebody, look at the UK press at the moment. They're literally hounding down Meghan Markle for her outfits. It's too short, her cleavage is showing, her arms are showing. It's another form. Of, again, controlling the female body because the idea that we see a woman's neck, it's like scandalous still. For me, it's like what's happening in Saudi Arabia, it's also happening in the world that we think it's free. I'm not saying it's the same situation. Yeah. But really what we want out of out of this at the end is women feeling safe enough to actually say, hey, I was violated. Hey, someone mutilated me. I was cut. You know, I'm being shamed. Because it's the silence that needs to be broken before anything can be achieved. Because c- crimes will always be there. But the fact that people... Can, and actually what we're going to start seeing, a lo- the, the number of FGM women will go higher before we go down again. Because now... 200 million women are estimated by the World Health Organization, but it's only focused on Africa and parts of Asia. But now we know it happens in Russia. We know it happens in Colombia. So those communities have now come forward, which have, they haven't been accounted for. So we're going to see the number of FGM survivors go high now. But it's because now women are speaking, and we have platforms to speak, communities that we never even thought of are coming forward saying, hey, uh, we've it was just us practicing this. So Yes, that's my naivety. Yeah. Are things going to change? Breaking the silence, it's the biggest achievement that we, we, want, we want from this. I think to me, for me, that's what I want. I want is breaking the silence that women are constantly shamed if they're violated, that the fact they can't even say anything about it. I mean, look at how the Me Too movement or the Meet R. Kelly campaign, it was, it, everything came back to the women just felt they couldn't say a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the most damaging thing you can ever do to a woman. It's not be believed. That's absolutely violated. right.
0: Absolutely right. That's more damaging. Did you realize, Barbara, the potency mm-hmm.
1: Of this documentary, I was really hoping that it will change, that it will trigger this moment of, of possible change. But you never know till a documentary or a film isn't finished, until you don't see the first reaction of the public, you never know. And I remember when we were at the world premiere, um, I was there with the protagonist, with the whole crew, and there were like almost thousand people, and we didn't know till the end. And then they stood up and there were ten minutes of standing ovation. We had to tell them to sit down. And I was just going to say you exhaled and they applauded. And it was so it Im- was overwhelming. You know, yeah. for me it was so important to see that it was worth it. Oh, I was God. so happy for all the protagonists <laughs> that they really, because nobody knew. I mean, it could have been that they're spooing, that they're reacting violent. Right. Which swearing. usually what we used or to. Or just ranting. Yeah, well, actually right. as protagonists we were used to
2: always being attacked for our views. So yeah. it was the first time and we were ready. We were like, okay, we might get booed. Yeah. yeah. But to, I mean, I, I was saying to Barbara this morning at breakfast. I said I rewatched that video, and you can see our faces. We really look shocked that people really liked the film because we said, "Hey, we might be, you know, people might hate us for this." But actually, to see
0: that you know, ten to fifteen minutes like standing ovation was absolutely overwhelming. You know, I've said this before, and I really feel very strongly about the power of documentary in the in the mm. sense that this should be de rigueur in school because the power to educate, to inform, to open minds. Yeah. It's bigger than anything.
2: Let me tell you, when we had our world premiere and the journalist said to me, what do you want from this? So I said, I want this film to be in every school. I wish I had this movie when I was 12. And I might have said something to somebody about what I experienced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might have, because I think that's what the... thats what And, and what, what I really love about this movie is not just one group being targeted. It's like every woman in the world can relate. And that's always...
0: Yeah, that's that's huge. Absolutely, exactly. yeah. Who didn't like this film, Barbara?
1: I mean, till now, it was really strange. When we put it out, the trailers, for the first time in Europe, before the film came out, the reaction were really harsh. I mean, there were a lot of mm-hmm. men, especially, saying, oh, again, as this female thing. So, oh, I mean, mean what, what do you want more? <laughs> you have everything. You got everything. You got equality. Why do you always think you have to still struggle or talk about this topic. And when the film came out, the direction were totally different. different. Really different. Because I think Mm. we really managed to tell the stories in a way that they're inspiring, they're uplifting, they're including everyone. And I think this really changed perception. I mean, I had, let's say on Facebook... Till now, maybe 15 friends' requests, which were kind of showing <laughs> me that you're under the radar, we know what you're doing, take care. But this was all in, in let's say, negative reaction. And this is really astonishing for a film with this topic. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. But I think it has to do with what Leila just said. It's really every woman in the world can connect and relate. Mm. On some level, yes. oh, totally. to just yeah, to experiences. I mean, totally. I've had people who wrote to me said, I have never contacted
2: anyone on social media before, but I really wanted to email you because this film really spoke to my experience. Like, so to have people, even like who never write to anyone, feel like they need to write to us was really important because it felt like, ah, it's not just one story. It's different women. I can relate to some of these women. Because sometimes I always find in the world of documentary making, there's one focus, one part of right, the world right. all the time, and we've right. forgotten about everybody. And for me, and I actually remember um, when I met all the women, all of us met at the same time. And I remember the first day we watched the film together, we all sat very distant from each other. And I remember why I kept my distance. I thought, just in case I said something that might upset them or it might be a totally different views to them because I'm hearing it for the first time. And I remember we all cried at the end because we were all worried we might be saying different things. But actually, we were all saying the same we were singing the same song just in different gotcha. different versions. Yeah, of it. yeah. And that was such a relief because you, I it was the first time I said I didn't feel alone in this because it could be very isolated. Just because I'm fighting FGM, that doesn't mean all the other activists fighting FGM are in line with my views mm-hmm. in terms of patriarchy. Because mm-hmm. we find a lot of people are fighting FGM but they're not speaking against anything else. You know, they're it's not it's just the practice that Yeah yeah. For uh-huh. me it's if you're an activist you have to fight for our fundamental basic human rights. That includes everything, including LGBT rights, women's rights, children's rights. You can't pick and choose. I always say it's not a buffet you walk into. For me, this was the first group of women, we were all saying the
1: same thing. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) We're really trying to bring it to a lot of Asian and African countries to really spread it as much as possible because it's really, yeah, it's really a story that's, that appeals to everyone. And the same situation we have in India. You know, if you think about um, all the girls being buried alive when they are born. Yeah. And it was really interesting. In India, I'd played um, at 10 different cities. And the audience was really overwhelmed. They were so thankful for the film because these are really often topics that are not talked about. No kidding. Yeah, and I think... It can really help, as you said, to to start to talk about this Mm. topic and to change things. And if we talk about our societies, um, if you you said we had to go to schools, yes, I think it's so important. Because what kids are growing up, also in the U.S., also in Europe, is pornography. And pornography, the way it shows mainstream pornography, how Mm -hmm. it betrays women, how Mm -hmm. it betrays female sexuality I mean, there are studies now, m- modern studies, like the last two years, where um, I think like 70% of the girls say, if you're talking with them about sexuality, that they're, they're experiencing pain and they don't say anything to their partner. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? That means that we're still at the point where girls don't dare... To speak up, don't dare to say what they want. They don't dare to say, oh, it's hurting me. I I would love to enjoy sex and not having pain. Right, right. But we're not talking about it. No. And it's often parents and the school shying away because they say, oh, I mean, we know kids are seeing pornography with 11, 12 years. And nobody dares to talk. Talk We said, we don't talk with our kids about that. We don't want to sexualize them. Yeah, right. But the thing is, they're alone. They get information from from somewhere
0: else. Education is power. Totally.
1: And I mean, I think this film really shows, Mm -hmm. if you dare to talk about things, we can change them.
0: Was there any negative reaction to this film? There was some. This is a very delicate topic. You know, we all acknowledge that. Mm. Well, the fact that you're not answering it yeah, right away no, must yes, mean... It's
2: yes and no, because I think people have a perception about the film until they see it. I think that's always a challenge. When they say, oh my God, five women from five religions, oh God, you know... Uh, and sexuality. Sexuality, is like that already scares people off. So I know when the trailer first came out, I got attacked a lot, being called Islamophobe. It's like, oh, here we go. There she is again going... Um, and it was like, maybe she should just watch the film first, then make a judgment on it that's, so
0: that, that, <laughs> yes, that's <literally>, too easy
2: <laughs> exactly so for me that was the kind of backlashes that i saw it was based on a trailer not necessarily uh actually i remember one comment that we got one guy who had a go at barbara saying oh you know you should have given more time to black and asian women you know there's problems in africa and asia why did you have these white women in the film and and again to me that's again there's an idea that these problems are only happening in african asia actually right, and I, right. I actually one of the reasons i wanted to be part of the film it was because it was so global I wasn't interested in doing another Africa story or Asia story again because I said, "Oh God, no! Too many of them have been done now."
0: Absolutely, and it gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, I'm not saying the oppression that happens in the U.S. is similar to what happens in Saudi Arabia. Right, right, right. However, that doesn't mean we can be silent on the ones that happen in the U.S. Like, so for me, that's it was so important to have. So there was those kind of black backlashes, but I'm surprised we didn't get similar. I, I was expecting worse backlash. Um, but that didn't happen. But unfortunately, I guess what's happened to me personally, the fact I'm involved in a film about female pleasure has a different type of impact. It's like, oh, God, this is a woman that talks about sex all the time. You know? mm. So we should not have her around. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we cannot give you that job. It's okay for me to be on a platform, but I'm not good enough to uh, run a project. I got you. Does that, I got does that make sense? Of course it does. Yeah, that's really the biggest issue
0: right now. <laughs> Did you have trouble raising funds for this film? Oh, yeah. Oh.
1: I mean, in the beginning, it was really like, are you kidding me, Barbara, kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, like, what? Five women, religion, and sexuality, all these taboos. forget it. You will never, ever get money. Nobody wants to see the film. But there was like, I don't know what happened in society. I think really things changed. And we got fundings from Switzerland. We found a co-producer from Germany. We found um, the European Parliament gave us money. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. And there were even private person, which in Switzerland they normally never do, who said, we want to see this film. And it was a huge support. And this was really, this was really, really nice to see. And then again, when the film was finished... The Swiss distributor said, "We're not so sure (laughs) because they had a bad year, so they said we better don't do it." And I mean, then it was really like the best seen documentary in cinemas: Switzerland, Austria, Germany. And they did a complete one hundred and eighty. Well, it
2: got nominated for many awards. Yeah, we got awards.
1: We got a lot of press. We got, and I, I was overwhelmed from from the positivity of the reaction. Yeah, I mean, this for me was. In the end, it's like, wow. I mean, people, we had people
2: sending us photos of literally queuing up outside cinemas, putting themselves on a waiting list for the tickets. So it was like, we went from being this like, oh, no one's going to watch you, to like people queuing up outside,
1: literally requesting tickets. Yeah. yeah. So it- waiting in case no one turns up so they can get in. <laughs> yeah, so that it's was it's quite really, nice. I mean, it's much more positive than I ever, have ever expected. ever dreamed of. Yeah. Mm. What's in your future, Barbara? <laughs> how do you how do you match that what what is it that you want to do i mean i'm thinking about a documentary about male sexuality really yeah. yeah because you know coming across doing this documentary i came across so often the topic about wow but where do men stand mm-hmm. you know it's like it's the other side of that story, isn't yes, it? Yes, the other <laughs> side. And I think it has such a huge influence. And it was interesting during um, the Q&A's or afterwards, camp man came up to me and said, You know, as men, we never, ever talk about these topics. Yeah, of course, we say, yeah, we have 100 women and we're really good at it, blah, blah, blah. But what they feel, their fears, their pressure, all these stereotypes they have to fulfill, all their insecurities. This image they have to portray. They said, no, they never, ever talk with a friend. At maximum, maybe they talk with their partner if they're really confident, but always, it's normally, it's just a tip. Under the rug. Mm-hmm. And I think if we talk about male sexuality in a really open way and a really honest way, it will change a lot in between men and women when it comes to pleasure, when it comes to sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really a topic we should talk about. So
0: that would be your next massive project, wouldn't it be? Yes. Oh, wow, that is really Crazy good! <laughs> I'd be on your staff. I would love to be there for that one. I, I pose this question to you: What's tomorrow look like for you, Layla?
2: Oh God, uh, where do I start? I mean, I think for for me, what would be really important is for people to actually really supporting me means you have to really support this film because I think the message has to be amplified globally. And but I I would I think my biggest uh, challenge it's resources all the time I- i'm going to be very honest it's like someone give me a job <laughs>
1: like i mean this, can i
2: make a plea for that one no that, this is, is crazy is. no this I is, this swear is to God, ridiculously God. crazy it's so unbelievable um, i have all these skills you know i've developed some of the most amazing work but somehow i'm not good enough to hire for and it really it's it's uh, it, it's really sad i'm even talking about this right now but really i i feel like i'm
0: being oppressed or shut down. Because I don't think so- it's said. I think it is so, it's outrageous. anger producing. These women have become such a part of your life. Well, Layla and Barbara, what, what can I say? This has been absolutely wonderful. And I tend to end most of my conversations the same way. I stepped in it big time. I love what I do. And meet these really wonderful women from all different walks of life. What ties all these women together is the word. we're just terrific. Perfect.
1: Thank pleasure. you so Thank much. Thank you for having so us. So wonderful to this and conversation. You. It, it was me. totally my pleasure.
0: Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.